Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We want to welcome you. If you're a guest this morning, thank you for showing up. And uh, I want you to grab your worship guide. It looks just like that. Hopefully you got one when you walked in the door. If you got Bibles, you can open them there to Luke chapter 17. Again, we're thankful all of the campuses that have been online with us, Wanatong, North Justin, Hebron campus. We thank you so much. We had runners over there at Wanatong and Hebron and down in North Justin. We're so thankful. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Amber, our other daughter, you know, last week, one of the questions of who our favorite child is. Now, Rhonda said, well, you don't have a favorite. Well, no, you don't have a favorite because we got all great kids. I'm so blessed. We are Matt's on staff with us, Amber Allen. They serve at Hebron. But now to give a shout out to Amber, she ran the half marathon and she, I think she raised the most money. We're not, everybody raised money, but she raised over $3,000 herself. So I just, come on, give a good clap. Amber, you're there, face all red right now. Thank you, thank you. I'm glad you're there. So, hey, the evidence is around us, but do we express that gratitude? Thanksgiving's just around the corner, and, uh, you know, we every year since, uh, what is it, since 1941, the fourth Thursday of the month, we've been celebrating Thanksgiving. I read the story of a man in Chicago, his wife, they hadn't seen their daughter or their son in several months. As a matter of fact, the daughter lived in New York, hadn't been home over a year. So the dad and the mom was talking about, you know, wish they could see him. So the dad picks up the phone, phone calls his son in Texas and says, son, I just want to let you know my, my, your mom and I were done. We're over with. I'm sick and tired of her. She's tired of me. After 45 years of marriage, we are divorcing done. Said, and, and the son panicked, said, Dad, what are you talking about? Said, you can't. And the father said, listen, it is done. Don't try to talk me out. Hangs up the phone. Immediately, the son in Texas calls his sister in New York and said, listen, Dad, just call me. Said, him and Mom are fed up. They're getting divorced. 45 years. She said, over my dead body, they're getting the divorce. She hangs up on her brother, calls her dad in Chicago, said, listen to me, I'm telling you, I'm on the next flight out. My brother's flying up from Texas. We're having a family meeting. You don't dare do anything before we get there. The father hangs up the phone, looks at his wife, said they'll both be home for Thanksgiving, and they're paying their own way. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do sometime, right? Come on. Gratitude is something that lacks in so many people's lives. And yet you look at us as Americans, how blessed that we have been to live in this great country. Matter of fact, the studies show this. If you've never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, the pains of starvation, if none of those things have ever been in your life, then you are better than 500 million people that's in this world that have gone through one or all of those things. 
If you can attend a meeting, any meeting that you want, political, religious, social meeting, meeting without being uh, uh, terrified for your life or that something will happen to you, then you are more blessed than 3 billion people in the world today. If you have food in your refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof on your head, a place to sleep, get this, you are richer than 75% of the people in this world. And then finally, if you have money in the bank or in your wallet or spare change in a dish, how many has got a dish or a bucket or a barrel, you have some change in. Come on, let me raise your hand. You have that? Come on. So listen, if you have spare change or money in the bank or money in your wallet, then you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthiest people. You understand how blessed that we are to live in the nation that we live. Matter of fact, when they talk about the attitude of gratitude, the importance of it, they talk about the fact that if research shows practicing gratitude 15 minutes a day, everybody say 15 minutes a day. If you do that 15 minutes a day, five days a week for at least six weeks, your mental health in increases, and you promote lasting change in your health and your total perspective upon life. This morning, I want to take you, we're in this series of questions that Jesus asked, and I want to take you to Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 11, and I want us to talk about Jesus' encounter with ten leopards. I'll pick up the scripture on verse 11. As Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a, vision, a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them. Everybody say one of them. How many got cleansed? How many? Ten. As they went, ten lepers, they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, <clears throat> praise God. <clears throat> he fell down, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And then verse 17 is the question that Jesus asked. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? So how many out of ten came back to give thanks? How many? One. And how many got healed? And yet, how many give thanks? Now listen, here's the crazy thing about it. That was written over 2,000 years ago, and yet today the study shows that when it comes to gratitude, only one out of ten people actually are thankful people. One out of ten. And the study reveals the fact that because 
only one out of 10 are, is usually thankful people. The reason being is that most people believe that the world or their family or their friends or God owes them something. And they deserve that. So why in the world would I give thanks for that? Now, just a quick background of the story. I don't want to bog down because what I want. The reason why we did what we did today is because we wanted to publicly thank people for their investment of their time and their talent and their temple uh, and their treasure in, in, in the vision of what's happening at Heartland Christian Center. But just a little backstory: Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're, they're going from Judea, Jerusalem, and Samaria. And Jesus is just doing miracles. That's what he does, right? Come on. What does Jesus do? He, he does miracles for people. And, and when Jesus gets towards Samaria, instead of bypassing Samaria like most Jews would do, the average uh, Jew would never go through Samaria because they believed that the people who lived in Samaria, they were, they were half Jew and half Assyrian. They were called Samaritan. They, they considered these people living there were half-breeds. So matter of fact, any Jew, and Jesus was a Jew, but most Jews, they had rather go out of their way, cross over Jordan, just to try to avoid having to travel through Samaria and facing these half-breeds of people. And yet Jesus, I love it, of how he makes this special effort to go through Samaria, he, he's already did it one time. He met the woman at the well there at Samaria. He changed her life when nobody would have anything to do with her. When she was going to get water at a time when most women would not be there because she was embarrassed with her lifestyle, yet Jesus shows up, he, she encounters him, and he radically changes her life. So Jesus is going through Samaria. There, there's these ten lepers. The Bible said they stood afar off. They, they were a great distance from Jesus. Why? Because, again, because of what they had, the disease that they had, they were not allowed to be around the general public. If they were outside of the camp in which they had to live in, they had to live in the isolation area because of their sin. If you went outside that camp, anytime you walked in public, you had to constantly shout, unclean, unclean. You, you had to cry out to that because you wanted people to stay away from you and you could not encounter anybody because of your status. And yet it's to these people that Jesus stops and takes notice of them and they cry out to him. So I want you to notice just real quickly the request of the lepers. The Bible said that they lifted their voice as they got closer, they undoubtedly recognized, wait a minute, this, this has got to be Jesus of Nazareth. This has got to be the guy who's doing all kind of miracles. And the Bible said they cry out to him, Jesus, Master. They, they knew Jesus had supernatural power. And when Jesus notices them, the Bible said when he saw them, he simply said, go show yourselves to the priest." Go show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass as they went, they didn't get there, but as they went, they got cleansed. They're whole. Now, now just I'm not gonna bog you down with the with what happened, but Old Testament Leviticus chapter 14 tells us 
that this, this breaks protocol of how leopards could get cleansed. Now, in, in the Old Testament, if a leopard thought that somehow or another his leprosy was gone, it's a horrible disease, it's a, it's a skin disease, you lose fingers, you, you lose uh, ears, you lose parts of your body because you lose the nerve ends of yourself of that disease. But if you thought you were healed, you had to call the priest. The priest would come to the camp where you was, you would come outside the camp, and then the priest would then make a determination, do the sacrifice, do all the offering, and then by somehow or another declare you being clean. It doesn't happen that way. Jesus hears him cry out, and as they cry out to him, he said, go show yourself to the priest. As they went, they were healed. But ten, how many were healed? How many were healed? Ten were healed. How many came back? One. So as I navigated this story this week, and I, and I, I don't want to stay too long on this, but I want you to see the response of the ungrateful, the response of, the, of these nine lepers that the Bible says they were clean. Jesus healed all ten lepers, but only one of them came back. What, why did not the other nine return to give thanks and worship the way this one did. So, when I read the Bible and I see that, now listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some thoughts. These are thoughts, some theologians agree with some of these thoughts, some of them don't. But I want you to think through this process. Begin, because I told you, only the studies show only one out of ten people are actually grateful people. Matter of fact, if you look around and count the ten people that are around you, Statistics says only one of you are truly grateful people. Why doesn't the nine give thanks? I want to be the one. Hello? I want you to be the one. I want this church to be the one. But in order to be the one, I've got to kind of be honest with ourselves and think, why didn't the nine? So, so I, want to give you, I want to give you nine reasons, and I'll try to be quick. Listen. The first excuse that's, that they could have used is that it's Jesus' business to heal, so why bother myself with thanking him? I mean, hey, this is what Jesus does, right? He's the healer. He's simply doing what he normally do. He healed. Why should I, why should I waste my time in being thanked? Listen, I want you to understand this. Listen. Studies show the garden of ingratitude is watered by pride. Let me say that again. The garden of ingratitude. Nine of these guys were ungrateful people. Why wasn't that? The garden of ingratitude is watered by pride. Because, listen, a heart full of pride finds itself to the point where it will not humble them itself long enough to be appreciative of the favor or the grace or the healing that God has done. A proud heart says, I deserve this. Hey, God, I go to church. I pay my tithes. I deserve your blessing. Why would I waste my time to go on Sunday morning and worship and thank you because really and truly you ought to be doing this. You follow me? 
That could very well have been. Listen, some theologians say these could have very well been all these other nine could have been Jews. This one guy, this, this foreigner, this Samaritan, this, this outcast, he could have been the only one in the group because in the leper's camp, everybody came together. But these not, if they were Jews, it's just like a Jew. Listen, the Jews thought they deserved it all. We're, we're, we have the blessing of Abraham on us. We're, we're, we, have, we, we deserve to be here. Why in the world am I going to waste my time to go be thankful? So think about this. What, what about this? Here, here's another reason why. Maybe, maybe they said, well, well, I'll go later. Perhaps the guys that get healed the other nine, they, they just said, yeah, you know, but first, first, let, let, me go, let me go see my family. Let me go see my friends. Let me go see my acquaintances. I mean, I've been, I've been ostracized from them for so long. Uh, history doesn't tell us how long they've been lepers, but whether they've been a leopard a week, a month, a year, they haven't seen their family. So, so maybe they could have easily thought, listen, I, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it later. You, you, you know what? Now, listen. The first service didn't need this. I really thought this sermon was for you, but I'm starting to think now it's just North Johnson and Wadata and Hebron. We got all our stuff together. You, you, you know what the number one sin, I think the number one sin in, in, in people's lives is? Isn't alcohol, isn't it drinking, isn't it that? You know what the number one sin? It's the sin of procrastination. Let's just think about that. How many times do you hear people say, I, go, I, I want to, I'm going to, I aim to, I, I, I really, I really, listen, I, I, I woke up this morning, I've got Jimmy on my mind, I, I need to call Jimmy, and I'm really going to call Jimmy, but you get all of a sudden all this other stuff happening in your life, and you procrastinate to the point the day ends, and you get to the end of the day, you oh, man, I was... I was going to go call Jimmy, and it's too late. Or God does something real good in your life on Tuesday or Wednesday of the week, and you're so excited you can't get the week to come to church on Sunday, but you got Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in between Monday and Tuesday during the week, and all of a sudden you have this idea, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to tell the pastor, I'm going to worship you, and then all of a sudden you put it off, and it doesn't happen. Procrastination in expressing gratitude shows that many, many times that our priorities are attached to the wrong things. Giving thanks is important. It's important. So, so maybe these guys said, well, we're going to, but later. maybe thirdly, one, one of us have already gone to say thanks, and Hey, listen, the one represents all. <laughs> I like that. So, so he's going, and he went back. So what, what, why, why are we going to waste our time? I mean, hey, listen, somebody's already thanked the Lord for being healed. You know, last week they, they gave testimony of, of a healing, and, you know, somebody gave testimony of being delivered out of, out of a habit. And, well, it's already been said. Why, why should I bother to go tell people what God has done for me. That makes sense? How sometimes we think through this stuff? And the truth is that no one can express 
a thankful heart for you or for me other than myself. The lepers of that day, they had a lot in common. It was their brokenness. It was their sickness. It was their disease that brought these guys together. But in their struggles together, when they all ten get healed, only one of them goes back and gives thanks to the Lord. Will you do it for us? I'm going to send somebody proxy to, to worship the Lord this week. Hey, kids, you know, God's been so good to us. He's blessed us. Man, we're, we're a better shape than what. You kids go to church. Mom and dad's going to take the Sunday off, and we're going to go enjoy ourselves. Y'all worship the Lord for it. It doesn't work that way. Good preaching, Pastor Phil. Maybe this, maybe the fourth reason why they, they didn't come back is that, well, God already knows my heart. I mean, God knows everything, Pastor Phil. He, I mean, God knows my thoughts. He knows my getting up and my sitting here. Listen, God, God knows everything, so why, why do I have to tell him? Why do I have to make manifest vocally how grateful I am? Think about this. Unexpressed gratitude is really ingratitude. That makes sense? Unexpressed gratitude. Listen, you can't read my thoughts. All these sunshine center runners and, and all the things, listen, that they did. Oh, we appreciate you. But, but they don't know it unless we say it. The people that you've got in your life today, the people who's adding value to your life, the, your wife, your, your husband, your kids, listen, well, well, they know, and it's like the old guy that been married 40 years, and his wife said, well, why don't you tell me you love me like you used to? He said, I told you 40 years ago I loved you, and if I change my mind, I'll tell you. <laughs> that don't work, does it? No. What if I told this church 23 years ago, hey, I love you, church. I'm glad to be in Northwest United. And 23 years have gone by, and I'm not saying it on a constant daily basis. Would you know that how much I loved you and appreciated you? No. Unexpressed gratitude is really ingratitude. How about number five? Maybe, maybe, maybe like this, and maybe what, what matters most is I'm healed. Hey, what matters most is I've got my miracle. My family's doing better this way. What matters most is my bills are paid. What matters most, God come through. Listen, but again, what we have to understand is that this attitude of what matters is I've got my miracle, this attitude attaches no value or no priority to the fact that we are called, we are summoned to come back to God and give thanks to him. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. See, if we're not careful, now, now maybe you don't have this problem, but if I'm not careful, I have a tendency, if I, if I minimize the work of God for, for that former situation, I have a tendency somehow or another not to be thankful for when God does something again. Again, it goes back to that entitlement. I'm a pastor. Hey, I, I listen, I'm working hard here, God. Yeah, yeah, it's about time you show up. 
It's about time. If I don't recognize on a daily basis the healing, listen, this healing was, was important to the point that they, they should have been given. Number six is, well, 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 mine was only a disease. It's, it's not like I was blind or lamed. Now, that mentality puts us in a comparison mode where we compare our miracle with somebody else's miracle, and somehow or another we allow ourselves or the enemy to make our miracle seem less than their miracle, so thus it's not as big as their miracle, so why should I be giving thanks? Let me give you, when Rod and I was one of our early ministry times, pastor in time, pastor in a little small church, just just struggling, you know, week to week to, to get things going. And she and I were, were praying, and, and one day I go to the mailbox, and uh, miraculously, $100 checks and from a guy I hadn't seen. I didn't even recognize his name. I had to go back, and I was at a revival. We was at a revival two or three weeks beforehand. His son got saved. And he writes me a little card and said, hey, you know, uh, Brother Phil, want to thank you. Your ministry impacted my family. Here's a $100 check. We got that $100 check. I was so excited. I mean, it, it was going to get us through to the next place. And I go to a pastor's meeting uh, the very next day, and I'm in this pastor's meeting. It's a little time of sharing testimony. And I step up. I say, guys, I want to I just tell you, a miracle happened. I mean, we, we, we were desolate. We, we were needing, and God showed up, and I got a $100 check. I don't know who it was, and I had to ch- uh, track him down. And, 100, I'm so, and then a pastor right next to me said, well, that's nothing. My church just got $10,000. I wanted to just fall. And I got so upset. I'm thinking, you idiot, $100. So I go home to the prophetess, Miss Rhonda, who's the soother of my soul, okay? The, the, the lover of my life. And I go to her with my pity party that I'm here and I, I celebrate 100 and this guy gets 10,000 uh, 10, and I'm saying, listen, listen, comparison always leads us to complaining. Comparison leads us to complaining. And I'm complaining and I'm whining and I'm saying this and finally she looks at me, she said, shut up. Oh, thank you, lover of my soul. What a soft, and you know, she's not like the Holy Spirit that just kind of nudges you. The southerner comes out in her. She's just direct prophetic. She said, how much would we pray? She, no, she said, how much did we need? I said, well, last night in prayer, or two nights ago in prayer, we were saying, yeah, if somehow or another $75, would, we could get it, we could find it, that's good. She said, God did, how much did God send? Did he send 75? I said, no, he said he sent 100. She said, he gave us more than we asked for. She said, learn how to ask for more the next time. Shut up. So I blame all of my big ass prayers on the prophetic Miss Rhonda. You clean my clock when I just ask for this. She said, ask for this. Comparison leads to complaint. Well, my miracle's not that. My miracle, it doesn't matter. Stop letting the enemy keep you from coming and giving thanks for what God is doing in your life. 
Lord Jackson, you need that down there today. How about number seven? It, it's, it's, if this miracle is really true, if I'm really healed, I, I just want to be careful. I don't say anything too quickly. You follow me? They could have had that mindset. The Bible says as they went, they were healed. But maybe, maybe just some of them, maybe one or two of them, maybe maybe they just, well, well I'm not quite sure if my toes heal. I know it looks like my hand's better, but I can't see through the sandals and the dirt. Maybe, so just maybe I just need to wait till I see the full miracle. Enemy, enemy ever bother you with some of that? Well, now, something's happening. Your blood pressure is better today than it was yesterday. Your sugar said something's happening. But don't, don't say nothing too quick now. You don't want to be embarrassed. We get afraid. Now listen, here, here's what I wrote in my note that, that about that. said, so listen, at the heart of that excuse lies unbelief. And we're doubting the full work of God. A doubting heart will never give glory to God. But always look at their focus will stay on prevailing circumstances. What I'm asking God to help me and you, God, remove the doubt of our heart. God, when we can read it in your word and we can, we can lay hold to your promise when we know what you've declared to us, we, we know your will for us, God. Help us to latch on to that and any improvement that we see, we're not afraid to speak it. Does that make sense? We're not afraid to say, you know what? I've been praying for my marriage, my husband, and I've just been praying God just totally change his heart and just make him into a new man, but... I don't see a difference, but just the other day in a conversation, he slipped in a few words of appreciation and thank you, and he actually even admitted he made a mistake. God's working. A miracle is on the way. You follow me? But if you're waiting for him to become a priest and a holy man of God and nothing but thou's and bless you's come out, you may not never put your arm around him and say, I appreciate the man of God that you're becoming. Same way about our kids. Oh, I wish this church needed this message. I know you don't, but I wish you did because I think it's a good word today. Because we live in this great nation. We live in this blessed nation. We live in this place where God's doing so many amazing things. And yet, we're going through life and we won't take enough time to stop and say, God, I just want to thank you this morning. I just want to give you praise for what's happening in my family. I just want to stop for just a few. God, and just have me a holy shout. Because I know the miracle, the full miracle is on its way. See, I, I'm, I'm battling this right now with the Sunshine Center because I've got people who said, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't claim $15 million till you get all 15. No, 15 million is there. It just hadn't all come into fruition yet. It's just only a couple million of that's happening right now. But God's working on the rest. You understand, we serve a big, that's the reason why I have a place called Big Ask 
acres. Big ask acres. Because I believe in a big God. And some of us in our lives today, in our families, we, we, we just need to stop for a few minutes and, and recognize God's up to something. I brought my husband to church. I brought my kids to church. And I'm getting my kids in the youth group right now. And all it seems like is that they're fellowshipping and, and they're, they're doing a little bit. But I haven't seen the transformation. But the secret is you're getting them in church. You're putting them in a place and a position where now the Holy Spirit can work on their lives. Oh, I, I know why I don't go back. Oh, I just forgot. Man, I, I forgot. I'm healed. But, oh, I was going to go back. You know, I, I was going to go. I was going to call the pastor. I was going to shoot the pastor an email that that prayer we prayed Sunday and already God did it. All. I, I was going to do that, but here it is Friday. I, I, I just forgot. Uh, you, know, you know me. I'm forgetful. Yes, we all are. True? We all are forgetful people. Matter of fact, forgetfulness was one of Israel's worst issues in their life that kept them from receiving more of what God wanted to do because miracle after miracle would happen and they would get in another situation and another circumstance and they would forget what God had just done back here and they, they, because they forgot and they didn't give him thanks, they didn't move forward, they get in a new circumstance and all of a sudden they start complaining again. See, I submit this morning some of us in this room, you forgot how lost you really was. You forgot how jacked up your life really was headed toward. And you've been clean enough, long enough. You've been dignified long enough. You went to church long enough that now you've got a status up here to the point that you would never, ever want anybody to know I used to be a stinking leopard. I had a horrible habit. I battled with this destructive behavior. But you're so far removed, you forgot. And in our forgetting, we don't stop and give thanks and say, God, wait a minute. I forgot where you brought me from. I want to be one of the one. And then lastly, what difference will it make? Hey, if I'm healed. He did what he's supposed to do. What difference is it actually going to make if I say thank you? You see, thanks, gratitude, thankfulness is something that you give and you don't receive. What, listen, what thanksgiving has, has the concept behind it that, that a heart full of Gratitude is one that is always on the giving end. A heart full of ingratitude is always on what you got for me. What, 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 are, you, what are you going to do for me today? But a grateful heart says, I want to give. I, I, I want to be able to say thank you. And well, what difference will it make? What? Hey, pastor, 
we, we celebrated these. I mean, they ran, they raised money. What, what, what difference is it going to make that we're going to go have some good Mexican food after a while? See, some of you, you think, I'm going to run next year because they feed you. Yeah, some of them starve themselves to death, eat all those crazy diets for all those months. Today, we're going to pig out. What difference? Let me tell you the difference that it makes is that people understand the fact that you're stopping and taking the time to say, thank you. I really appreciate you. And we don't do that often enough, not just with the, with the outside people. We don't do it often enough for the people in our own lives. Now, I don't know whether you're like me, and if you're blessed to have a wife that actually folds your clothes and puts your clothes away, now, I can, I can wash clothes. I just don't wash clothes, okay? So don't, don't beat me up. Don't say I'm bad. I just don't do that. Rhonda loves to, she loves to do clothes. She loved, even when my mom was here, she'll see this. Mom was washing clothes for us because mom loves to serve. Rhonda loves to serve. And Rhonda, actually, mom, no offense, actually Rhonda got upset because you were doing what she loves to do. But in doing laundry for me, she will take, she'll put all my socks together. She lines them up in the drawer. They're color-coordinated. I go in there, and I just dig around, grab what I won't put them on, da-da, you know. But I, I found myself, and we've been working on this. Again, this is, this is something we're, well, I've been working on the fact of being able to go to her and say, you know, honey, I, I am just so thankful that I got to watch. Because I know those clean clothes just don't um, automatically appear. See, some of you teenagers, you think those clean clothes hanging in your clothes, a miracle has happened. No. You got a mom. You got somebody in your life, they've done the clothes, they've pulled them, they've folded them, they are whatever. And, and I go to her, I said, Rhonda, thank you for the sock drawer being so organized for me. And she'll say, well, bless your little heart. <laughs> now, I have to interpret that, okay? What is she telling me? You're an awesome person for recognizing that? Or she's saying, you jerk every time I go put something back in there, it's all messed up again, okay? But, but somewhere between there is an appreciation of value. But it's, thank you is something that you give, and in gratitude is always looking to receive. So those are just nine things. Probably none of them, I can tell by the way you reacted, none of you have ever had to deal with any of that. So let me, let me kind of close with looking at the response of the one. Everybody say, I want to be the one. The nine's out there, okay? The nine's there. How do we, how do we be the one? The, the, the one that realized what had happened to his life, the, the miracle that was taking place, that he went back to Jesus and he was not ashamed. The Bible says in verse 15 to 16, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. Everybody say, turn back. And with a loud voice, everybody say loud voice. He fell down on his face at the feet, at Jesus' feet or his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. He's an outcast. He was the one that everybody avoided. So I want you to notice two quick things. Number one, there was this public expression of his gratitude. With a loud voice, he glorified God. I, I just love that statement. Glorify God. It, it simply means he's praising God. 
We, we, we see him using his voice. Everybody say voice. Why is it? Now, now just help me. I'm, I'm, I'm from the South. I don't understand everything. But why is it? Why is it that people have no problem using their voice in Walmart, but they can't use it in church? Jimmy, get yourself over here. People have no problem using their voice at a rock concert or a country concert. Hello? Yeah! We come to church and we lose our voice. It's like it's not there. The Bible says he cried out with a loud voice. It indicates that his praise was filled with shouting and acclamation. Now listen, I know we have people come to this church and, and maybe you're here today, you're not accustomed to, to, you know, worship and, you know, singing off the wall the way we do, sit about hymnals and we off the wall singers and, uh, and worship and, 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 you know, people that are full of passion. I have people all the time that, that will come here, and for the most, people love it. For the most, people will tell me as a guest, as a guest, they would say, Pastor, I love the energy. I love the passion. It feels like I'm at a tennis match. You're walking back and forth. You know, we're here, we're there. Uh, I love the energy. I wish my church was like that. But it's not. It's not. And for the most part, people, people love the excitement. And what happens is that we do have some people here in the midst of worship that something will happen sometime, and we will throw up a hand. And some of you really get radical, and both hands goes up. I mean, I mean, watch out, devil. Both hands are here. And sometimes you actually sing loud enough that the person next to you can hear your voice. Because you are remembering what God has brought you out of. You're remembering how he has delivered you and set you free. You're remembering how you are here for another day, another season of your time. And you can't help but get excited. And you clap your hands. Now we got some that you're still at half mass. You never get past here, you know. And that's okay. You're, you're moving in the right direction. But I want you to notice over and over again, I don't, I don't have time. The Bible says 134, Psalm, lift up your hands in the sanctuary, bless the Lord. The Bible talks about Psalms 32 and 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous. Shout for joy, all you that are upright. We want our services here to be full of energy and life and celebration. Why? Because we were all leopards. We were the outcasts. We were men and women that was broken. We were lost. We were headed for a devil's hell. We have been changed and transformed and set free. We want to come and let it be a place of celebration of what God is doing in our lives. And we're not afraid to shout publicly, God, you're so good to us. But then notice it wasn't just a public expression. It was a personal expression. He didn't just cry out and shout loudly. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks. I, I picture him shouting 
his way all the way back to Jesus, shouting with a loud voice, Jesus, I'm healed. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, it's a miracle. Jesus, I'm my life. is. I, I just picture that shouting, but once he approaches Jesus, once he gets to Jesus, he falls at his feet. And he wants to personally worship. It ain't about you. It ain't about what you're hearing or what you're seeing. I want my Jesus to know how much I love him. Those two things is lacking in the American church today. I love us. I love this church. we're, We're far beyond what many churches are. But what the American church is lacking, while we have more reasons to praise and give thanks than anybody else, we're lacking that public, exuberant, vocal, thank you, worship, praise, singing our songs to him. But also we're lacking that intimate time of just self-reflection and bowing before Jesus and saying, I want to worship you. I'm healed. See, most of you, you see my public side. You see my excitement, my energy, and I want you to do that because I love what I'm doing. Nobody's making me have to keep doing this. The board doesn't have to call me on Monday and say, you know, Pastor Phil, I, I, I know you preached hard Sunday, and I know, but I, we, we just want you to keep going. Would you, would you? The board doesn't have to do that. Sister Rhonda doesn't have to say, hey, Pastor Phil, I, I know it was a rough weekend. If you're counting nickels, nickels and noses, sometimes, you know, the, 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 the attendance is not right. Maybe the money's not there. And, and I can understand, Phil, that, that you're discouraged. And she, she didn't have to do that. I come here full of excitement, full of vision, full of anticipation that we serve a God of miracles, and he wants to do miracles in our lives. And I want you to see that. But what you don't see is times of my private Times with God. When I've got your names in front of me as a prayer list. And I'm thanking God for you. And I'm thanking God for miracles in your life, for your family, and for your kids. I'm saying, God, I, I'm not trying to make a public display of this. I want you to privately know how much I appreciate what you're doing at Heartland. And I don't take it for granted that we deserve this. I mean, my 52nd year of ministry, and, and, and I can honestly say, and I, it's, it's, I'm not bragging, but listen, I can honestly tell you, Ron and I have, have given up all. We, we, we're all in on this journey. But in 52 years of doing something, I never want to stop being thankful that God, somehow or another, you favor us with your blessings and your goodness to keep giving us a vision to build your kingdom. It isn't about building buildings and building, it's about building people and building his kingdom. That's what this thing's about. And sometimes in our lives, privately, we need those moments where we just reflect. And so, so what do we do? So, so let, me, let me move to these action boards. Come on, Pastor Lindsay. Let me wrap this thing up. So I want to give you, I'm going to give you five ways to develop this attitude of gratitude. I want to give you five ways to be the one. Anybody can be the nine. How do you become the one? Number one, appreciate everything. 
cultivate an attitude of gratitude for everything. And, and somebody asked me first, what do you mean by everything? Everything. Okay? Look at your neighbor and said, he means everything. See, some of us, some of us just know how to appreciate the good things and the great things and the lovely things. No, learn how to appreciate everything. Everything. Developing an active gratitude habit rather than a reactive. See, a lot of people have reactive gratitude. Reactive gratitude is you're thankful when something happens. Active gratitude, you are thankful in spite of something happening or you are thankful for this moment right now. I start my day every day when I get out of bed and I get up and I start my routine. I get out, I cut the coffee pot on, I go in Sunshine's room, I tap on her door because she needs to get in my bed because she thinks that's not the way it works around here. She gets in my bed with Miss Rhonda and I start my day. When I get up, my very first step, God knows my heart, my very first step is God, I'm thankful that I'm alive again and I'm moving on my own power. Now, Somebody said, well, you're still a young. Thank you. I, I appreciate you telling me that. Some of you need to say that louder. You're still a young man. But don't take it for granted. We had a 30-something-year-old guy the other day that I was in a business, and he's there. He's only 30 years old, and his body is filled with pain and anguish. And anguish. Uh, he's just constantly in pain and anguish. With, 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 with what's happening to his life. But so, so, I, so I start an attitude of gratitude by just simply, I appreciate everything. The second one is we express gratitude every day. Say that with me, every day. Now, Pastor Phil, you mean for everything and every day? I mean for everything and every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every day. Cultivate an attitude of gratitude every day. Not just occasionally. Not just when things happen. Not just when, when, you, when, you, when you recognize and you acknowledge. We sung a while ago, I see the evidence of your goodness. The evidence is always there. It's that do we stop and do we recognize it? Do we, are, are we thankful people? When we develop that attitude of gratitude practice every day for everything, you know what we do? We start expanding the value of the people and the experiences that we have happening in our life. You expand the value of the people in your life and the experiences in your life. And it starts building those, those positive habits. So, so I appreciate everything. I do it every day. And thirdly, this is going to be a revelation for some of you. Surround yourself with, with a gratitude mindset focused people. You know, if when somebody comes to me and says, Pastor Phil, I just, you know, it seems like all the troublemakers, all the whiners, all the complainers, they just come to me. You know why? Because they know you got an ear for that stuff. Hello? I tell leadership all the time, if I've got a board member and all the complainers just go to that board member and they're only complaining there, listen, I know that person is the person that they have told people, my ears are garbage dumps. Come and dump it all in me. 
And some of you, I love you. Some of you need to go through your friends list and defriend some complainers and some whiners and some people that just see the negative. And just, they, they, all they see is the mindset of, of the worst scenario things that's happening. What I've discovered in my life, when I surround myself with, with, with other people who practice gratitude, my attitude of gratitude grows. I start feeling happier. I get more energy. Come on, you understand? I feel more positive. So, so if you and I are going to have an attitude of gratitude, we have to be careful how we spend time with negative people that have that scarcity mindset. Oh, I tell you what, Pastor, I, you know, this, this is a rough time, and boy, things are getting bad. We, we better be careful with, with what we say. Scarcity mindset, really? When God owns everything, he has it all? When the wealth of the sinner is going to be laid up for the just one day? Really? We should know. Hey, I love you. I'm going to pray for you. Not just going to go on vacation with you. <laughs> Come on. My lunch is going to be very short with those people. Now, I know all your friends are positive people, so I'm not talking about getting rid of any of your friends because you got the best, I'm sure. How about this one? You have an attitude of gratitude if it's going to grow. Take ownership of your present. Appreciate and give thanks every day for everything for, for your present. Be, be happy. Be grateful for what's happening right now. What, what, what do you have right now? Not, not what you're praying for, not what you're believing for. What do you have happening right now? You can say, I'm thankful. Some of you right now, you can say, I know pastor's almost done. Thank you, Jesus. you got a reason to be grateful right there. But what, what is it, listen, what, what is it that, that you can be grateful for right now? When we take ownership, listen, when I take ownership of my present, I choose to be grateful. I choose to be optimistic. I'm grateful for my situation. Now I start reframing how I look at life. I take ownership and I reframe. The positive mindset reframes negative thoughts. It builds confidence in God and what God's word has said. And when I when I when I reframe my my pattern, I think everything every day uh, have surrounded people around me. Then all of a sudden, those attitudes of gratitude, that anger, that 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 self pity, that 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 sometimes that that guilt that you're feeling, listen, it gets replaced with feelings of confidence and and self worth. And lastly, number five, commit to a gratitude practice. Commit to a daily gratitude practice or mindset or thinking. And listen, it's, that, that this gives us a chance when you commit to this. God, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go forward from here today, out of this building. I'm going to commit to just every day. Be thankful for everything that I got going. Surrounding myself with, with people who are grateful. And God, I'm going to commit to that. And you know, you know how I, you know how I stay true to a commitment? It's about building a habit. 
And the habits that I build in my life with gratitude involves these are I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a little bit of insight the way I think sometimes. Somebody said that's dangerous, yeah, but just just this will help you. Every day, in everything, in every situation, I have a I have a constant gratitude thing that I'm writing down. They, 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 te- they say, a study say, if you'll just write down three things every day you're thankful for, it radically changes your life. I have about seven that I go. Number one is, I'm thankful that I don't already have what I, what I desire because if I did, I wouldn't have anything to look forward to. You know what causes some churches to stop growing? You know what causes some pastors to stop growing? They, they think they arrive. They get it all. I've got the nice church. I've got my bills paid. Our property's paid off. I've got it. And listen, if, if, if you're not thankful that you don't have something and you're not grateful that everything's not been fulfilled, you don't have anything to look forward to. That makes sense? That's what keeps me going. Secondly, I'm thankful that there are things I don't know. When I don't know something, I'm thankful that now I have a new opportunity to learn something. I'm learning something new at 68. Why? Because I don't know everything. Thirdly, I'm thankful for the difficult times of my life because it's in those difficult times that I really grow the most. I wish I could tell you I grow when we're on the mountain and everything. But listen, let me tell you where I personally grow. I personally grow when I'm in a time of struggle and difficulty and my total reliance has to stay upon God. That's when my spiritual relationship with my father grows the best. Because I'm constantly in communication. Now, that's just me. I'm constantly in communication with him. Number four, I'm thankful that I have limitations because that gives me opportunities for improvement or the recognition that I can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. See, marriages and friendships and relationships and parenting thrives and grows the most when you're thankful for the fact that there's times that you have limitations in your life as a parent and you have a challenge in your life that you don't have all the answers and you need help. And you reach out for that. I'm thankful for every new challenge because it gives me an opportunity to grow strength and character. I'm thankful for the mistakes I've made (laughs) because they've taught me valuable lessons. When's the last time you thanked God for the time you messed up and said, oh, man, I learned so much in that. And then lastly, I'm thankful that I get tired and weary. I'm thankful that sometimes I end my day with I'm totally exhausted using my energy to build his kingdom, connect with people because, now listen, here's my answer, because I know I'm doing something that makes a difference. I'm doing something that has eternity in mind. What what would be your gratitude list? What would be things that you could write down that you could be thankful for every day and everything? You need a gratitude list because it brings you back. It centers you up. 
I am so thankful that I have a church that says we want to be the one. Come on, stand with me. Stand with me. And when you stand, I want you to raise up one finger and say, I'm the one. Come on, say, I'm the one. By faith, I'm the one. Come on, come on. You, you can do it. You can. Some of, some of you, listen, you're tired of being the nine. You don't want to be the nine. You want to be the one. You want to be the one. You want, you want to be the guy who comes back. You want to be the, the person, the mom, the dad who comes back and say, you know what? Man, I am so thankful, God, for what you're doing in my life. I'm not ashamed of that. God, I'm not going to be a complainer or whiner. Listen, I listen. I say that, I preface that. I, we've got people in this church, you're walking through some difficult times. Believe me, I'm not trying to belittle that for one second. But I'm telling you, an attitude of gratitude is going to get you to a better place far quicker than an attitude of complaining and ingratitude. I'm the one. What do you have to be thankful for? Who is it in your life that you haven't appreciated them enough? That this week you need to walk out of this place and say, God, help me to value relationship. Most importantly, I value my relationship with God. I value my relationship with Him. I remember where He brought me from. I know the darkness that He's kept me out of. I know the circumstances that I might have got involved in had it not been that the hand of God was on my life. You understand? When, 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 when you think about those things, you can't help but be the one. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.